Tell me something, do you want to build an eyesore like that here, in Cusco? This is going to be unprecedented for tourists. There's only one seven-star hotel in the world. And only one Machu Picchu. Except you can't remodel that. You don't think we have enough hotels here in Cusco? Sure I do, but none of them are like this one. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, so you're a kind of a modern Francisco Pizarro, are you? You've come here to conquer us once again. Huh? No, uh... I'm sorry, did I say something that made you feel bad? Did I say something that offended you? Because I thought we were in sync. No, I don't get offended until someone shows me their true colors. Welcome to part two of our Without Saying Goodbye episode, the real talk part of the discussion. Uh, but before we go to real talk, it's time for PP, our patron pitch. This is where we let our patrons know what they can expect on their exclusive patron channel. And we also let non-patrons know what they're missing out on. Alex, here we are in the middle of August with summer drawing to a close. We have a few things that we've talked about already on the Patreon channel and some new things. Something that we already announced are QVRs for this month. Uh, you have Bad Boy Bobby, an Australian movie, and mm -hmm. I have a Tyrannosaur. I don't know what kind of movie that is, but I know that both those movies were assigned to us by Ryan. We also have, as our exclusive bonus episode on Patreon this month, the the beginning of our Twilight saga, Alex. It's, uh, it's happening. It's finally happening. This spans all sorts of formats across both feeds of the contrarians but it starts on the patron feed with just a very honest discussion of the first movie twilight this is requested demanded by patron and social media guru of the show zoe perez so we're starting uh, right there and then next month we'll be talking about new moon on the main feed but if you want to see where it all starts, it starts on the Patreon channel. <laughs> also, uh, we are basically done, as far as recording goes, with uh, our, our Roxena miniseries. And uh, Chapter 5 might be out by now, but if not, it'll be out soon. It's, it's the end of it, Alex. I was going to say the end of an era for WWE, but also the end of an era in a way for the Contrarians, because this was like a, a massive undertaking it was, yeah, and the last part, man, we we get into a lot. Julio, I caught him up on a lot and make a point, and I think anyone who's listened to it and been invested with us along the way can see that uh, I'm not saying that event necessarily altered the course of history with a lot of the happenings in pro wrestling, but it was definitely a very important part of it. And, you know, how fitting that we close that chapter in that era uh, of our, our patron and a project of that magnitude while or right at the the end of the Vince McMahon era, you know, that <laughs> that event being the, you know, he wouldn't say it, but from a monetary and eyeball standpoint, you know, you could say that was one of the keystone events of his tenure in professional wrestling. And as he's had to since resign in total and absolute disgrace, but uh, I think it's a, a fitting uh, mishmash but yeah we've got that on there um if you haven't listened to any of those episodes yet uh, now you'll be able to start from the the very beginning and ride it all the way through i think start to finish it should only take you about a week and a half but uh <laughs> <laughs> you can take breaks it's okay you can uh the usual stuff as well cutting room floor there's a lot of peruvian conversations peruvian related conversations that probably won't make it to contrarian's corner that will be on the patreon channel and uh and then uh, our pre-recording notes and of course contrarians after hours contrarians after hours is the spin-off show where we talk about other things that we've watched that we've played that we've listened to um Alex, we, we haven't talked in a while because I went on vacation. That means that I have, at least on my side, I, I watch a lot of stuff. I'm not going to give you the rundown of every single thing I watched during my vacation, but I have uh, uh, three things that I'm going to bring up. How about you? Uh, do you remember the Tom Green cancer special? Uh, I remember Tom Green having cancer. I didn't know that he made a special. <laughs> when he had this cancer special, the beginning of it started, uh, it was the Bum Bum song, and it's like... My bum is on the cheese. Bum is on the cheese. If I get lucky, I'll get a disease. Z, Z, Z. And then it cut to like an empty studio and he's sitting at his desk and he goes, well, I got lucky. Uh, and then he talks about his cancer. The only reason I say that is because like 
that's how I felt when I finally got COVID. Was it's immediately <laughs> what I thought of was that. And so, uh, yeah, I got COVID and little, you know, behind the curtain, not to expose the magic too much, but Julio and I haven't recorded in about a month. Uh, we just got, we were just knocking these out because I know he was going to Peru and I had some trips coming up. And You didn't uh, and know the, you were going to get COVID. <laughs> I did not know I was going to get COVID, but my whole family got it and me and my sister got it particularly hard and we're down for about five days. And in that time, I think we watched like 10 movies. So I'm not going to go into grandiose detail about all of them, but I will give the full rundown. I mean, we're talking... Uh, we watched one of Hitchcock's movies from 35 and then uh, also watched The Scream from this year, which sucks. So I'll, oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'll be excited to discuss that as well as all the other movies we watched in between. And then, yeah, after COVID was over, I went to Vegas. So regale y'all with my tales of what went down in Las Vegas because it doesn't necessarily stay there. We got phones now, so everything gets posted. <laughs> Uh, well, Alex, now I'm, I'm second guessing. Maybe I should give you the full rundown if you're going to give you your full rundown. You know, we're going to do just like mini reviews. So maybe we'll just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll do a little bit of like tennis. We're just like, you know, hit one review. You do one review. I do the, other, the next one because I, I did a bunch of movies. But the ones I wanted to highlight just because are the ones that I think are, are worth like expanding on the discussion a little bit are uh, The Adam Project. That's a Netflix movie with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Okay. You might have seen it pop up on your landing page. Uh, it's from, I want to say it's from earlier this year. It's a time travel movie, uh, just right up my alley. Uh, also, Downsizing, a not-so-well-received movie from a former co-worker of ours, Alexander Payne. Uh, I think it's his <laughs> most <laughs> most recent movie from a couple of years ago with Matt Damon. Okay, yeah. Took me a second. Y- you yeah. know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, that movie yeah, bombed. Yeah. And uh, it was on Netflix, at least in Peru. And then the Ron Howard, Chris Hemsworth uh, vehicle in the heart of the sea, which is allegedly based on the true story behind the writing of Moby Dick. It was, uh, you know, it's it's Chris Hemsworth versus a giant whale directed by Ron Howard. <laughs> How can you what go wrong? What can go wrong? Exactly. <laughs> so at the very least, I'm going to be telling you about those three. And then the other ones, I might just throw you like a line or two. Uh, but that that sounds like a packed uh, after hours. So be ready, patrons. Grab a cup of coffee before you listen to that one. You'll have that. You'll have all the other stuff that we talked about. If any of it sounds interesting, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Prime. Check our tiers, see which level of access you would like, and uh, you can join the Contrarian Supplements. Only there will you find out my secrets to curing COVID. That's what... <laughs> Uh, yes, $1, $3, $5, and $10. We have our different respective tiers. Head on over to our patron page. Uh, check it out. If this is your first time listening to us, this is, uh, like Julio said, this is our, our plug for it. $1 gets you in on the ground floor. You'll have access to the things we've discussed. Uh, yeah, check it out. See what you like. See what you want more of. See what you don't like. Uh, if you have any general feedback, of course, you can hit us up on our patron. Uh, or we are the contrarians at gmail.com. You can find us there as well to offer any insight. Um, we had an anonymous email recently uh, helping us out with uh, some more friend Stravaganza connections. And uh, <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> and so, shout out to random listener who uh, shamed yeah. us for not knowing that Danny DeVito had indeed been in the show Friends. I looked it up, Alex. It's on the last season. That's why I didn't know about it. Ah, there you go. Well, any type of feedback or just random comments, we appreciate all the same. So check it out. Let us know what you think. We know you'll be coming back for more. Uh, and we'll continue to deliver the content that y'all love because we love making it for you. And now, Alex, y ahora, el carro de la bomba. <laughs> so give me all the gorgeous details from last night. Oh, no, oh, there's oh, nothing oh, to tell. Oh, did you feel like Shakira and Pique? No, it's not funny, Lichi, for real. Oh, honey, what's wrong? I saw you sneak out of there at 3 a.m. And since then, I've been waiting for the details. Come on, tell me, honey. Oh. Uh, I mean, what can you say about it? Because it's a Netflix movie, so I don't have anything in the way of budget or anything like that. But as I mentioned in the first portion, Bruno Asenzo wrote and directed this, starring Maxi Iglesias, the Peruvian Benny Safdie, and uh, <laughs> Stephanie Cayo. I guess Spanish should be a safer bet because he's from Spain, doesn't Released on Netflix on March 18th of 2022. 
No official tomato meter score, but 31% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, a very, very plain movie. <laughs> it's one of those that I think it's it's the most damning thing about it is when it was over. I was just like, okay. Um, <laughs> but before we get to any of that, Julio, what, uh, were you able to pull any like five-star review quotes? Uh, yes, from Letterboxd. Yes, I did. My God. <laughs> Let's see. We're going to start with uh, Carolina. Carolina. She she has a Peruvian flag right next to her name. So There you go. Five stars and a heart and says, I'm going to translate because it's in Spanish. But she says, I am very happy and proud of this Peruvian production shot in my beautiful Peru. Fun, laughter, and beautiful scenery in one movie, in one single movie. Um. I mean, I guess, you know, we talk about this. It feels like we've been talking about it a lot over the past year because we've we've been either forced by patrons to watch movies from other countries or we just happen to watch movies from other countries. But um, the idea that when you are from the country that the movie's made, where the movie's made, it adds an extra level of value or you can also take away from it, I guess. And in this case, Mm -hmm. for this girl, you know, this girl, this woman, I don't know how she is. Uh, she, she clearly felt that there was that that added value just because it's her country, and well, it's not like with America where you get to see the United States in almost every movie you watch. You yeah. don't really get to see Peru in the big screen often, so I can see how that can be thrilling on its own, just beyond the, the actual quality of the movie. So. I get you, or I think I get you, Carolina, as a fellow Peruvian who left Peru. <laughs> we are not on the same, we don't share the same enthusiasm for the country, but but I get it, I think. Um, I got four stars from Tito Sam, who says, also in Spanish, a whole lot of bullshit, yes, but wouldn't you like to be in it? I mean, I guess you could okay. you could say that about most romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Three stars from Snenokla, who said, this one's in English, felt like watching a Christmas movie, only it has nothing to do with Christmas. Sure, it is predictable, but so are other romantic movies. I love the atmosphere throughout the movie. Peru is beautiful, and most importantly, I love the message behind all of this. What is the message behind all of this, Alex? Yeah, I was about to say. um, (laughs) Hotels bad? Hostels good? Living for the moment good. Doing business deals bad. <laughs> Money bad. Yeah. Um, all right. And let's close with uh, Harry Gomez Moran Castro. Uh, gave it three and a half stars and a heart and said, this one's in Spanish. Second viewing in less than 12 hours. I can confirm the movie is the movie's beautiful. Try to imagine. Second viewing in less than 24 hours. 12 in less than 12 hours. Jesus. <laughs> He says, try this. Imagine that you're a foreigner and you watch this. And obviously you'll end up saying, oh, man, Peru kicks ass. I love it. Well, Alex, you were a foreigner watching this. Did you walk away from this movie just saying, I can't wait to visit Peru and lose myself in those mountains and those ruins? That was the Green Inferno when I watched that. I was like, man, Peru's tight. They eat people there. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. The It's such a plain movie, but I was still able to take away from like the location and the some of the big shots and stuff. I was like, God, it's fucking beautiful. And it'd be really fun to vacation there. Uh, but... See, there's no way to not sound xenophobic. It's not like, you know, I watch something like <laughs> The Hangover or like, um, no, that's not true. Because there's movies like that take place in London and shit that I'm like, God, that seems like so much fucking fun. The problem in this is it's not that they're not really doing anything fun. We're just watching these two people, you know, very, very quickly fall in love. But the the scenery is beautiful. It made me jealous that that's like uh, a place you've been to to the point probably. How many times have you been to Machu Picchu? Uh, at least five. Is it like the Alamo? Like, it's cool the first time you go, but then it's like, ugh, we're going back here again? <laughs> uh, no, it's always cool, but it's also a lot of work, like physical work, because 
It looked like it, yeah. I mean, I mean well, so I've never done the trail that they do in the movie. Because that is fucking days of walking. I, I had a friend, I have a friend that uh, did it. And she lost a toenail halfway through. Oh. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> that just sucks. Just because of the walking. I mean, it's not even that she had an accident or anything. It was just the, the walking. And I guess she didn't have the right shoes or something. But at some point, her just her toenail fell off. <laughs> it's So it's pretty hardcore. Um, they kind of undersell, I think, how much of a of physical activity it is to do it. Because here, you know, they always look great. They never look winded or anything. And, uh, okay, maybe she's in good shape. But he should probably be suffering a little more because he's not from there and he can be in great shape but he's from spain and there is like the the altitude issue there so but anyway i i go to much Picchu the the standard boring way which is you get in the train and the train takes you to much Picchu, but then you still have to do a little bit of climbing and then once you're in the ruins there's also a lot of like you know going upstairs and uh the altitude kicks your ass uh, at least if you're like me and most of my friends, <laughs> and uh, especially if you've been drinking the night before, and especially if you're out of shape, so it's uh, it always looks great and it's always worth it. But it's also always, especially after the first time. Like the first time I went, I was still in high school. I went with my with my class. We're all like really mm. young, so ah, we didn't care. We had all the energy in the world, and then every time I've gone, I've been older and older. And last time I was like, oh my god, <laughs> no more. <laughs> No mas. Yeah, or at least let's wait another 10 years. Um, but yeah, no, it's... Uh, I think the movie... I read this comment that there was... I went through so many letterbox reviews. And uh, most most Peruvians in letterbox seem to just hate it. Uh, a lot of... Uh, Interesting. A lot of positive reviews from, I'm guessing, Brazilians, because they were in Portuguese... And uh, mm. so I couldn't really make out what they were saying, but they were, you know, four stars, five stars. And uh, and then there's like the people in between, but everybody agrees, kind of like what I was saying in Guterres Corner, that this is more so than caring about being a movie. It, it cares about being a kind of a, a promotional video for like, come visit Peru. <laughs> Isn't it a, a cool country to go visit? Uh, and it definitely, yeah, it felt like it had a mission in that way. Yeah. And in that sense, uh, I guess it kind of succeeds, you know, because yeah, it looks pretty. It makes you wonder, okay, well, I would go and spend a week, you know, partying with these people, <laughs> visiting their ruins, um, eating that that underground food. But then there's also the the representation of the culture. That's what a lot of Peruvians were taking issue with, and I understand it. I, I like my issues with the movie come more from the side of just, I don't think it's very good, like as far as, no. you know, the story. But the... But very paint like, by numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not even good numbers, I think. Uh, but the, it just got to get it out of the way because I can't really speak to what it's like to be somebody from Cusco and watch this movie. Or even, at this point, honestly, what it's like to be somebody that lives in Peru and watches this movie. But uh, there were comments that I thought were very... Uh, I think I like on the money, which said that this was a movie made by people that only visit Peru or only visit Cusco as tourists. And I'm like, I get yeah. it <laughs> because uh, the two main characters don't really feel Peruvian. And uh, granted, okay, one of them is actually from Spain, right? But uh, the the Ariana, you know, she she's more kind of like a, on one hand, she's just like this mouthpiece for I, I guess against gentrification, which whatever. Uh, but her personality doesn't feel Peruvian. At least, you know, Aunt Lichi feels Peruvian. And I think that yeah. that's partly because Wendy Ramos is just really good at what she does. Like, you know, uh, she's she's funny. She's uh, she's an actress. <laughs> and uh, But also because they allow that character to be a little more of what I think of what I, when I think of a Peruvian personality. And I'm not saying that mm. we're all, like, clowns in there, but... Uh, Talk about fucking. Yeah, well, you know, there's just this sort of uh, uh, loser personality uh, that that it's uh, where you can see the contrast. You know, it's like you can see the contrast between Aunt Lichi and Salvador. You don't really see the contrast between Ariana and Salvador, except for their alleged beliefs. You know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but they both act. To put it in terms that we use a lot in this podcast, they both act like white people. And everybody yes. else in the movie 
you know, the, the actual Peruvians, they're like in the background. And so it feels weird to to have your first big Netflix Peruvian movie not really be led by Peruvians. Like I said, Wendy Ramos is the, the one that comes the closest, but overall, uh, this is a story about that. Like somebody said in one of those quotes, you know, two white people wandering around Cusco with Instagram filters. And that is, I don't know, if, you know, people in Cusco see this and they're like, I don't care. <laughs> this is what our life is. I mean, you notice how many tourists we have every day. It's like, yeah, we're here and we're constantly kind of in the background while <laughs> these people, all these white people around us like taking pictures and you know going on their adventures but but you could still make a movie about you know an actual person from Cusco uh, not just mm-hmm. like this girl that has been living in Cusco for like 8 months and feels like she has an attachment but like you know give me the movie about Uberto and just him driving people back and forth in Cusco like these stupid tourists that drive him crazy with the same questions every day or or just give me the movie about Ann Lichy and her adventures with online dating. Or uh, it just it just doesn't feel Peruvian. It just feels like an outside view of of Peru. So in that sense, it feels like a missed opportunity. But also at the same time, if people watch this and they're like, "I want to go visit Peru," I guess they they got you know they're like mission accomplished. They don't care about the tomato meter. They don't care about what critics may be saying, what the letterbox score is. They just care about. Did we do a good enough job of like selling how beautiful my country can look? And so in that sense, I guess, you know, it's fine. But I I at the end, what I can I can't really speak to that, you know, but I can speak to just the story being bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Explain to me how anyone who's got a brain could prefer a cement building over this house. This is our legacy. The Adobe, the stonework, everything made by hand. I mean, we're in Cusco. We're not in Dubai. Cusco is the beating heart of traditions and mysticism. Our legacy lives in this place. And now we're supposed to put cement everywhere and install air conditioning so people can sleep? Now that we're in real talk, Alex, did you have a side? You said you didn't have, you didn't take sides while watching the movie. Uh, I found myself, much to my chagrin, I found myself on Salvador's side a lot. Just because I found Ariana, Stephanie Cayo, very annoying. How about you, Mr. Anti-Gentrification? I found them both annoying. Like they just didn't really like, seem to have. I don't know. It's just because it's so fucking by the books and just ah. Uh, and then they've been making these movies for literal decades of like probably like a hundred years of the love story of oh I don't see what's right in front of me. And <laughs> it, the gentrification thing seemed just like a cheap overlay to put on it. I mean, this could be anything. You know, this yeah. is fucking. You've got mail and and just this is the conundrum they're faced with. And she's got to let him find out, you know, show him that he's missing out on life in all the real ways. And uh, she has to understand that maybe there's some merit to organization and us not being a free spirit. You know, it's that one scene in Tommy Boy where he's like, <laughs> maybe if you weren't so unorganized, this wouldn't have happened. And then she's like, well, sorry, you know, I, I ruined your whole life. And. And that's like the whole movie here. Um, <laughs> um, well, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan did not have a duet at the piano. So score for that was fun. without saying goodbye. And I mean, just at a carnal level, I don't think Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are as hot as these two young people. <laughs> they don't even get a sex scene in You've Got Mail. Do they even kiss? <laughs> uh, it's been forever since I've seen that. But yeah, right off the bat, these two are just like, all right, let's get down to business. Um <laughs> Look, I'll appreciate that at least. You know, I, I, we are in the year twenty twenty. That's probably the most realistic thing in the movie. Yep. Yeah. You just, just you getting hook up. drunk, meeting, and fucking. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then you you deal with the feelings afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like picking a side or like pulling for somebody, it was just I couldn't even invest to that level because the film was so transparent. I wouldn't go as far to call it propaganda for Peru, but it definitely <laughs> like I mean there's definite merit to those comments. It was a Peruvian film that was given a wide audience with Netflix, so why the fuck not highlight some of the pretty parts of the country and you know what you can do when you're there. At the same time, like I said, it's not this isn't one of those videos they submitted to the uh, Olympic Council to say, "Hey, choose Peru to to host the Olympics here." <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but all that being said, I do feel bad saying that it, it was such a just lazy and transparent movie that I couldn't find myself invested at any point, anything going on because I knew exactly what was going to happen in the next scene. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you can, you can have a formula, you can follow a formula and still make a movie that's engaging. So I think that the the problem is that that's true. Very true. They didn't, at least for me, I knew that, and we've talked about this before. Every time that we have like a love story in a movie that, that we're talking about, if I am not rooting for the couple to be together, then you have a problem, you know, assuming that the movie yes. wants me to do that. And that was, this was one of those instances. And and that's because the, the Ariana character, and I don't know if this is Stephanie Cayo's performance or just the way it was written or, you know, maybe a little bit of both. Colin. Pretty sure it was how it was written because both of their characters are like annoyingly up, like turned up to the 11 type thing. Yeah. Like the, what their characters are supposed to be. He's the, oh, I can't think about that because I have business and she's so much like, Sorry, we don't have the Wall Street Journal here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know Stephanie Cayo from anything. I know she, I've heard her name before, so I know she has a career. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I should give her the benefit of the doubt because I know that that's, I mean, you can't argue against the, the words that are coming out of her mouth. And that's, you know, that was written. So yeah, her character is just written. She's just so self-righteous and, and just downright condescending. And I I guess partly because I just the way I live my life. I mean, obviously, I'm not like a millionaire. What do they call them? A mover and shaker from Spain or whatever, you know. But I still, the way I live my life, I am less of the. I'm more like him than than like her. So her character has to work a little harder to convince me that that she's in the right. You know, it's like I understand it. Uh, I mean, having been to Cusco, like I said, I didn't live there, but I. I feel like I have an attachment to it in the sense that the reason I keep going is not just because they throw great parties, but because I kind of love the place. I, I love the way it looks. Yeah. I love the way it feels. I love the people. And so, yeah, I think that it would be a shame if <laughs> they put like this mega hotel in the middle of it, regardless of how much revenue it would bring to the to the country. Like, I, I get that point. You know, it's like, you kind of ruin it, man. <laughs> the, the Cusco is Cusco, you know, and Cusco doesn't, that kind of thing doesn't really belong there. But the way that she presents her point time and again in the movie is just the most off-putting. And uh, it made me turn on her to where I just wanted him to build the damn hotel just out of spite. <laughs> just, <laughs> just so she would be mad. And Because uh, Aunt Lichie, I mean, she has a great point. Like on her end, she's like, I'm only selling half of my garden and I'm going to get enough yeah. money to to really buy land and, and have the life that I want. And it's like, how can you not at least entertain the, that idea, you know? But she just, uh, Ariana just throws a tantrum and leaves. It's like, I don't really care. Now, dude, like Salvador, at least we get to see him stand up to his dad. Uh, and as cliche as that is, <laughs> at least you get him to, you know, you get you get him to do something that is 100%, like this is black and white, like this is the right thing to do. Tell your dad yeah. to fuck off. And so that, you know, get, gets him some goodwill. And just the fact that during the movie, I always felt that he was the one that was trying to have some sort, some sort of conversation about the issue. And she kept just plugging her ears and saying, no, fuck you. <laughs> but I'll take you on a tour anyway. So that relationship, just the way it, it drives the movie, it, it, it makes it really hard to, to get engaged, to be engaged by it. Yes. And I also have a thing now that I'm old, uh, older, I guess I'll say, and the world has completely crushed and destroyed my spirit that when there's a character of someone who doesn't who like pays no rent and lives for free and doesn't have a job talks about like <laughs> you need to live in the moment i immediately turn on that character yes. i'm just like fuck you yeah that, and i'm sorry i know that's that movies are supposed to be magic and you know the characters are supposed to be what carries us but i'm sorry i can't unsee that because i've known too many people like that it's just like motherfucker you you don't pay bills or rent like i'm not gonna listen to you of how to live you don't know what it's like out there man well especially because she is surrounded by real people in this movie that obviously yes. everybody that that she interacts with they have real jobs 
<laughs> they're really struggling. But she's the one that's like going to tell us about what it's like to live in Cusco and whatever. No, again, that's, that's a large amount of people in Austin now that are here that their parents are paying for apartments and hotels that moved here to be fucking DJs and influencers or some shit, <laughs> food critics. But um, yeah, and to be clear. What is being proposed in this movie is not the same thing as like my issues with Austin. You're talking about like <laughs> displacing people, and yeah, it's obviously which is what has happened in Austin too over the period of time. It's just priced people out, but this is like potentially ruining a sacred land of sorts. Well, I mean, I, I was kind of simplifying the point just to to rile you up. No, I know, <laughs> and, and I. I can respect and appreciate that. <laughs> the difference with that is it would just be tourism. So it would be just people coming in and out, not just like people moving here and ruining everything. Yeah. But there is, I mean, I kind of, I was thinking about it where this last time we went to Peru because um, there's this uh, this plaza that Kelly likes to visit. And uh, mm-hmm. it is, uh, you know, style-wise, it's a little different from just the city part of Lima it's a uh, it's in Barranco and it's uh it's a little more rustic and it looks different it's by the beach it, it, it's it has like a nice flow to it it feels a little more like Cusco in a way and uh there is <laughs> so there's a plaza and it's surrounded by you know all these Peruvian like restaurants or whatever but then there's a there's a corner where there's a Starbucks <laughs> and it's been there for the last I don't know two three years yeah, well, longer than that actually, because it was before the pandemic when I saw it, and it doesn't look terribly out of place. You know, I, I think maybe the first time I saw it, I was like, "What the fuck?" And then, uh, and then because even the colors <laughs> are muted to kind of fit with the the color palette of everything else. Um, but mm-hmm. every time, you know, I see it, and we Kelly and I always joke about like getting a photo, like taking a photo of us there with like Starbucks drinks and going like, "Oh, having the Peruvian experience." <laughs> Uh, well, this time when we went, I noticed that there was actually, I don't know how long this has been there, but next to the Starbucks, there's Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> and next to the Dunkin' Donuts, there's the Papa John's. <laughs> Dunkies. Yeah. Uh, again, they're kind of, uh, because they're kind of hidden in the corner, like it's not something you see right away. So they don't uh-huh. really destroy the aesthetic of the whole place. But once you see it, again, you kind of do the double take. I'm like, what the fuck happened here? What is this this little street? Um, I should have taken a photo but just to show you because it's just like this little like block of American businesses. It's just like start. All that's missing is a McDonald's. Um, and, it, it, and it kind of, you know, I, I get it in the sense that, well, I'm sure it, uh, you know, somebody's making money out of this and there's jobs being created yeah. and, you know, whatever. Um, but it. It feels like kind of like a stain on the painting <laughs> you know, of Barranco. I remember being in Cusco once and uh, it's no longer there. I don't know how long it lasted, but one time, like I saw there was a subway. Somebody, like there was a subway down one of the alleys and it felt so weird and out of place. And then a couple of years later, I went again and it was gone because I guess the demand wasn't there. You know, there's so many other places to eat that subway didn't really thrive in Cusco. But those are like minor examples. <laughs> Now, can you imagine? I can't imagine just showing up in Cusco and seeing this massive hotel the way that they're planning it in this movie. <laughs> just <laughs> completely upend the ecology and the just the entire system, the way that th- this city works. Uh, that'll be that'll be pretty crazy. But again, I mean, I guess I'll give the movie points for trying at least for coming up with that sort of conceit. Because you're right, it's like uh you've got mail in a way where they had that uh you know, Tom Hanks was the, I guess, the Barnes & Noble guy, and Meg Ryan was the the little mom-and-pop bookstore. I think they just did a better job in that movie of telling you, explaining why they kept talking, even though they despised each other, and why they fell in love despite despising each other. So it it is a lot in how you, how you tell the story, and I just don't think they did it well here. Arietta. I don't want to talk to you. Just wait. I don't want to look at you. Please, just leave me alone. Wait a minute. Hey, I don't want to talk to you. Wait, right? What happened? What happened? What's happened? I don't like people who manipulate and lie, and that's what's happened. Don't touch me. So let me ask you this. I understand, you know, we joke about all the time. You guys would get American films in Peru, sometimes a little bit later, but you would get them. 
do you think this type of movie was designed to succeed in Peru or just to be like, hey, look, we can do it too? Do you, what do you think uh, your friends that like you went to film school with in Peru and shit would watch something like this and think? Would they have like a, a national pride to go along with it or just be like, man, this isn't good? Um, just thinking of my classmates, and I'm, I'm sure this is just you know the, this, the case generation after generation. I think that they would be split down the middle. You have the people that uh, they just want to do, basically, you know. Oh, I watched this movie that I like in the you know this American movie. Let me make the the Peruvian version of that. We kind of talked about that a little bit mm. when we were uh, talking about Singham, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think that those people would be like, "Fuck yeah, we did it," you know. <laughs> I, I think that to them, the biggest accomplishment would be the fact that it's on Netflix. And like yeah. that is proof that it worked. I don't care about anything else. You know, it's like got money from Netflix and they got you know people to watch it. And and then there would be people like me that would be like, uh, but it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we do better? <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I I understand. I can see, and we'll talk about this when we do the the after hours. Because I, when I go, usually when I go home, I I watch a lot of movies that normally I wouldn't bring myself to watch here on my own or with Kelly. Uh, but when I'm watching things with my brother or with my mom, it's kind of like I, I'm. It's just so much easier to lower my expectations and just have fun with a movie, even when you mm-hmm. you know that what you're watching is not that great. Um, so I could see myself watching this movie with them. And them thinking, well, you know, that wasn't terrible. <laughs> them being a lot more forgiving of like the, the the formula and just kind of them like like some of those comments that we read, uh, just getting a kick out of seeing Cusco in a movie and you know whatever. And I think that that probably goes all across, you know, Peru, like the media and uh, critics and film students and whatever. But uh, I don't know. I, I was looking at. Uh, Bruno Asenso's IMDb page because I knew mm-hmm. that I, I had to have seen at least something that he had done before because I'm like this guy I mean yeah this is like the first Netflix original but he has kind of a career it looks like he's an actor and he's a writer and a director and so I've only seen one of his other movies uh, I think he wrote it uh, it was a musical same production company uh, Tondero which they've done a lot over the past few years uh, as far as Peruvian movies from what I gather, all kind of like this type of movie where they're not really breaking new ground. It's more of like, all right, well, we're going to give you the Peruvian version of this formulaic stuff that you usually get from from the United States. But he wrote this musical called Locos de Amor in 2016. And uh, I guess it did well enough that they did a sequel in 2018. Locos de Amor 2. It's like uh, crazy in love. And... Uh, it's just, uh, it's not like uh, original songs. It's just they, they, they sing covers of popular songs from like the, I don't know, the 70s or something. It's just like, okay. kind of like a rom-com, a few couples just interacting. And it was, I didn't think it was good. It also surprised me that this kind of stuff was being made in Peru. <laughs> or, you know, they're kind of like, oh, they made a musical in Peru. It got like a theatrical release and everything. So this guy has a career, and I think that he's found his niche, I guess, in a way. And I, I saw a lot of the letterbox comments where they were like, well, what did you expect? It's Bruno Asenso. Of course he was going to make a movie like this. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like, what kind of filmmaker? Can you think of like an American filmmaker where you're like, yeah, this is the kind of thing that, why would you expect anything other than some crowd-pleasing formulaic thing that's going to make money? David O. Russell? <laughs> I don't know that I would call a Russell formulaic. I was thinking more like Happy Madison Productions, you know. Oh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, I just resisted my immediate urge to just say Paul Fag or whoever's Paul making Fague the next. Paul Fag is fucking- a good. Like, I mean, I, I I think that Fag is a better filmmaker than this dude. But uh, but yeah, as far as somebody that's already established as like this is the kind of movie I make. So that's something Rob else. Zombie. I mean, I- <laughs> Yeah, there you go. But uh, back to um, without saying goodbye. That of course comes from the conversation they have. What language is it where they don't have a word for goodbye? Quechua, which is the the second or the, the other national language in Peru. So there's two oh. national languages: Spanish and Quechua. Okay. Some people only speak Quechua. 
but you're talking about like you know everybody in the capital speaks Spanish, and then once you start heading out into you know the villages and the smaller towns and whatever, then there are people that only speak Quechua, and then there are people that speak both, which I guess is the the way to be a true Peruvian. I guess so. Um, you know, I was gonna bring this up, so correct me if I'm wrong. You know, with some of the other international films we've done, specifically the uh, Indian films uh, we've dabbled with, definitely feels like there's like trademarks to that and things they do that are individualistic to them. Again, this honestly just kind of felt like a Peruvian filmmaker trying to make like an American romance film. Yep. Am I wrong in saying that? No, yeah. Th- th- there is, uh, uh, when I think of Peru, I, th- the the vibe is not the vibe that, you get in this movie and uh you know I, I i like i said i think of peru the closest that this movie gets is the the unleachy character and uh there are peruvian productions that have more personality than this movie and that feel more peruvian in a way and that's uh i'd like to see those yeah that's that's more you know those are more interesting unfortunately they're really hard to find <laughs> uh one subtitled and two uh streaming so there was a time I, I regret not jumping on this when it was on Netflix. There was a they made a horror movie, not not Tondero. It was a I don't know some a different filmmaker, but it, it was called uh, General Cemetery. I might have told this story before because it was a it was a horror movie. It was kind of like a surprise hit. It came out in Peru in theaters the same weekend that uh, the second Wolverine movie came out, The Wolverine, and. It killed at the box office. I don't know. They made more money than the Wolverine, but I remember going to. I was visiting my my family that weekend, and we went to the movies. We went to see the Wolverine, and there was a huge line uh, going out the door. And I thought that that was you know this before reserved seating, and uh, mm-hmm. I assumed that that was our line. That was the line for the Wolverine, and they're like, no, 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 you guys can just go in. That's the line for the Peruvian movie. <laughs> oh wow! I know, and. Uh, it was on Netflix for at least a couple of years, I want to say, and I always thought, okay, we'll we'll do it on the show because it was it had like a I think it was rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, but um, a Peruvian horror movie sounds more interesting than than this than without saying goodbye. Although you could also you know it might just be as generic as formulaic as <laughs> you know the it, it might follow horror movie formulas the same way that this one follows rom-com formulas uh but i don't know i mean i was i was curious about it i've seen you know growing up in peru i've seen movies that felt peruvian in the sense that they were they felt like they were taking place in peru and uh, they were i used to not like them when i was younger because they felt very dark and just kind of depressing especially the the older Peruvian filmmakers, you know, they, they like to make movies about, you know, the the just the struggles of, of poor people. And the, that was, as an adult, I can appreciate those stories a lot more than when I was young. When I was young, I was like, but this is not fun. I want, you know, the American movies with the shootouts and the, <laughs> the special effects and all that stuff. So, uh, but those, you know, th- those felt like Peruvian movies. And, uh, Recently, I watched uh, one. I bought a bunch of Peruvian DVDs uh, one of the last times I went there. And uh, among my haul was that movie, uh, that musical, Locos de Amor. And I was like, wow, this is not good. And then I watched uh, another one called Magallanes, which is, uh, I knew it done well in some film festivals. And that one felt, that was good. Like, you know, it wasn't great. In a way, you could say that it was kind of a formulaic thriller, but at least it was a formulaic thriller that was very much taking place in Peru and uh, mm. where the characters felt Peruvian instead of feeling just like, you know, your standard movie character that can be from any country. So so they exist. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, they, they're not as easy to access as uh, as this movie. <laughs> So, uh, unfortunately, I don't know. It would be really funny if this got anybody curious about Peruvian cinema, not just about Mm -hmm. Peruvian sceneries, but about Peruvian cinema. And then they go and find a real Peruvian movie and they're like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) Where's the, where the fun dances and the, and the food, you know, because those movies I'm telling you that the real Peruvian movies, they're not interested in selling you the country as a 
tourist destination. They're just yeah. they're just telling stories in this you know in this specific location with these specific characters. So uh, someday, Alex, I mean, I'm always I always have my eye out, uh, and uh, if I see something that that we can do on the show, I will I will bring Peru back for a uh, for another round, maybe for some redemption. <laughs> Absolutely, I'd be interested uh, to venture further into the pool. This is a uh, pretty shallow, but. Uh... <laughs> But you got to start with the uh, on the shallow end before. Yeah, you... and I was gonna say I am. I feel like a lot of that's by design as well. Like they just kind of like, hey, there's this romance movie, and doesn't Peru look fucking beautiful? <laughs> All right, yes. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, uh, not a very good movie. <laughs> nope, nope. Um, something funny that I I wanted to point out because I I I wasn't sure, and then I did a little bit of research, and it was confirmed the the first musical number. The dance that they're, you know, the the dance with the cucurucho, where she's like shaking her booty and you know they're trying to light the paper that's hanging out of her ass, mm-hmm. and uh, so that that whole thing where they're playing the playing the cajon, I don't know what they call it in English, I don't remember what they call it, but you know they're and she's like, oh, that's a Peruvian instrument, that's not a Spain instrument, and blah blah. blah. Uh, well, anyway, that type of dance, that's not a dance that you do in Cusco. That's not from that region. That that type of dance is from from the coast, from the north, kind of like from the place where she ends up at. And uh, watching the movie now, like a second time, I was able to pick up on that, on the fact that when she's talking to those dancers, she says, I'm going to come visit you. And then, of course, she ends up moving there at the end of the movie. So it kind of makes Mm -hmm. sense that she was hanging out with friends from the north of the country. And so they were doing a dance that's from the north. But on first watch, it just feels like the filmmakers didn't know any better and they just put like the wrong dance in the wrong region of the country you know what i mean like you don't go to cusco and see people yeah. dancing festejo and then i saw some people calling it out online and you know like i said this rewatch it i guess you can rationalize it and explain it but it was it still feels weird you know and it's just more of that oh i just want to shoehorn as much peruvian culture <laughs> as i can you know like somebody else talked about like it feeling like they were a uh, reading the wikipedia page about peru and with all the little peruvian factoids that they drop here and there it's like yeah there's a better way of doing this all right well, i think we've covered it uh if any of the cast or crew tuned in for this episode uh defend it should bleed your case to us we'll, we'll see what we can do to readjust our line of sight but <laughs> tell us how much fun it was to shoot because i'm sure you guys had a blast cannot classify as a failure because i didn't abjectly dislike it but it is a below average movie so for that i will give it a d didn't feel like i wasted my time uh yeah like i said didn't hate it and didn't view it as a failure but because it's below average i think just a dead center d is what i land on julio uh what about yourself um i i was pretty harsh on it uh the first time and i'm i'm going to still be harsh uh one star and a half i I just don't. I didn't have a good time. I mean, I'm I'm glad it's short, but it was. This has nothing to do. Like, remove the Peruvian factor out of it, and this would be. It could be anywhere. Exactly, and it could be, and it would be just like a really bad, bland rom com, and so the only reason that it kind of that it had like something to it, like a twist, was that mm-hmm. oh, it was shot in places that I know, and I didn't feel like it was an accurate representation of the culture that I know. <laughs> So that at yeah. the same time, that's a, that's a drawback. I like Wendy Ramos. Wendy Ramos gets you know a full star, and then the the pretty locations get half a star extra, and and that's about it. I don't think that there's anything else that I can rescue out of this. Uh, but like you like to say, Alex, I, I'm pretty sure they made the movie they wanted to make. <laughs> so kudos to them. They made it. They and they got it on Netflix, and it's out there now for people like us to pick it apart. All right. Well. We've expanded our horizons even further, introducing Peruvian cinema into the Contrarians catalog. Julio, what is uh, coming up next? What is uh, upcoming in the Contrarians timeline? Well, the Contrarians timeline goes to a patron demand. It's uh, Katie and Oti's turn to tell us what to watch for the bonus episode in August. And they picked the movie Ghosts of Mars. That's John Carpenter, isn't it? Yes, it is. From the turn of the 21st century. With uh, Pam Greer and Ice Cube. There you also go. Also Jason Statham. Uh, that's Carpenter's triumphant return to the Contrarians after uh, Haddonfield Nights. It's been too long. 
<laughs> Maybe this will be a new favorite. Have you seen it, Alex? I have not. Okay, cool. You're you're a Carpenter fanboy, so maybe this will be added to the collection by the time we're we're done watching it. Uh, Katie sent me a message with the actual reason why they picked it, so uh, we'll save that obviously for the episode itself. But yeah, Ghost of Tremendous. Mars. That's next. Excellent, Ghost of Mars on deck. That was without saying goodbye, Leo. I do believe it's time we move into our perennial plugs. It's time to say goodbye. It's. <laughs> There you go. Make a Peruvian exit. It's just without saying goodbye. All right. We start off by giving thanks to the festive years who provide our opening and closing tracks. They kick us off with Last Stand. Take us home with Summer of 99. Be sure to head over to thefestiveyears.com for any and all festive years needs. Our friend and fellow podcaster and fellow Peruvian for me, Hans Rodgieser, uh, he is the man behind our logo, behind all the graphics on our webpage, on our Patreon page, our merch page. Uh, if it has a tomato looking at itself in the mirror, uh, probably drawn by Hans. He has two podcasts, Nación Combi, which is about Peruvian current affairs, and Marginal, which is about the economy. I wonder if he talks about without saying goodbye in either of those. You know, knowing Hans probably hasn't seen it. This seems beneath him, but... Who knows? Every now and then he surprises us with a, with a hot take. Uh, well, check out his podcast. Check out his other work. He's a writer as well. He's a webpage, uh, mildemonios.pe. That's M-I-L-D-M-O-N-I-O-S.pe. You can also reach him on Twitter at mildemonios or email him mildemonios at hotmail.com. Uh, Hans, thank you for all your support. And thank you to the effort and support of Miss Zoe Perez, who is soon to bring Twilight to Contrarian's canon, but... <laughs> for now and for quite a while now has been our social media guru uh, facebook.com slash contrarian prime give us a follow there at contrarian prime on instagram as well zoe will post uh, videos interactive graphics images audio clips detailing and previewing upcoming episodes uh, just in a very organized and aesthetically pleasing fashion that I don't think Julio or I would have the uh, facilities for. So, Zoe, we appreciate the work that you have done and continue to do for us. And as always, we appreciate and thank you, our adoring listening public. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong, and we will catch you next time. (laughs) 